0: Two more hours to go on Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. If you're just joining us, you missed Wes Bryant. He joined us back at 1220. He'll be joining us every single hour. So, really, he's coming back on in about 20 minutes or so. He is live at the ACC tournament where it's currently halftime of the Wake Forest Miami matchup. Now, Wake Forest hit a beyond half court buzzer beater to go into the locker room, but it didn't count. It was really close. So, instead of it being 34 32, the score now is Miami up on Wake Forest, 34-29. to 29. So still a five-point game, but Wake Forest almost did it again at halftime, hitting a crazy shot. I'm sure Wes is having a lot of fun, and we'll talk to him more about it in just a moment. I did get a Snapchat from one of my friends who is a teacher at Bunker Hill High School. It is the high school that I went to. And I don't know if I'm snitching on him or not, but I'm going to, so it's going to be just fine. He sent me a Snapchat of the projector pulled down. And he says, today's lesson's plans. Watch the ACC tournament instead of teach. And that's my kind of teacher. And I imagine a lot of people are doing that. It is not the day and age of rolling in the television on this cart anymore. People are pulling down the projector. But it still is the day and age of everybody watching the ACC tournament. You can text us your best memories at seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Before we hop into some Panthers talk, just real quickly, I did want to ask this. Because some people texted in. Gamecock Moody wrote in, coffee is for closers, boys. John the Beerman said, people buy from people they trust. And then somebody else corrected us on the actual saying that coffee is for closers because Wes said the closers get coffee. But in fact, it's actually coffee is for closers. Now, it led me to a question to you, Fiddy, and I want to send it to the text line as well. What's a saying? What's a word? What's a joke that you got wrong for a long time throughout your life? that eventually you figured out within the last few years, oh, wait, I've been doing that. I've been saying that wrong this entire time. For me, there was a long time where I said infamous just regarding people that were famous in the past. It didn't matter if it was for something bad or not. I would say, yeah, this person is infamous for, and then even say something good. But people misuse that all the time. Infamy actually means well-known for doing something bad. And just a couple of years ago, I'm like, oh, wait, infamous is actually bad all the time. And I think a lot of people mishear that. The other one is I'm always a big close to the chest guy, but I think the saying is close to the vest. And I think both work, but I always said one or the other and kind of got it wrong. What's something that comes to mind for you? Fitty? You're
1: probably going to hate me for what I'm about to bring up. Oh,
0: okay. Is it, it's a bad
1: one. Um, remember Tuesday after the show, we went to the bathroom together <laughs> oh.
0: Yes. And yes, this is so bad. I forgot to bring this one up. Yes, I'm glad that you're outing yourself <laughs> on this. This one's awful. Go ahead. And we were
1: trying to decide who was going where. And you said that you were going to the urinal. Mm-hmm. And I said that there were three urinals in the bathroom. And you gave me one of the looks as if I was the biggest. Mm-hmm. The biggest idiot right. you've ever looked at in your entire life, which is saying something because you used to do shows with Willie P.
0: <laughs> that's, I just want people to understand that in the bathroom that we both went into after the show, <laughs> there's one urinal. OK, there's only one. And then, so when I said I was going to said urinal. Fitty said, which one are you going to? But there's only one. And the other two are stalls. <laughs> and Fiddy had no clue that a urinal was a urinal. I was like, what did you call it all these years? I just thought it was a toilet. Thought that I thought everything was a urinal. Everything was a toilet. It was all messed together. But no, it is a urinal, and I was baffled that Fiddy had never known that in his entire life. Uh, I don't know. I've never seen this text person before, but I appreciate it. Uh, Darden Malone he writes in, open Sesame when it's actually open sesame no there's
1: no way that's right is
0: that true no way
1: my whole childhood's gonna be forever ruined if that's correct it's open sesame yes it has to be
0: you just blew my mind if that's actually true we're gonna get a research team on it uh wolfpack james this is a great one i used to say i could care less not couldn't that actually is like a pet peeve of mine because if you say i could care less you actually that that means you don't have as much hatred for that thing as much as possible. So great one from Wolfpack James Gas House Earl. He wrote in, I always thought it was slow as palm water. Just found out it's slow as pond water. See, yeah, I I think I knew that one. Slow as pond water makes a lot more sense. I've never heard that. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people that will say that saying, go ahead. You got one fitting? Oh,
1: no, I I did the research. The correct answer is open sesame. open sesame is a joke answer
0: okay good i didn't I did okay. I did not want my life flipped upside down like that. uh there's a couple of other ones people are writing in. We'll try to get to' them, um maybe before we end the segment. Fitty, try to remind me, you know, I will forget that is a problem that I have so for uh so help me remember some of the sayings people are writing in. I did want to get to. The Carolina Panther conversation because the Panthers organization restructured Taylor Moten's contract yesterday, according to Joe Person. And it is the second year in a row that they have done this. So Joe Person said this, quote, league source says it was a traditional restructure freeing up around 11.15 million in cap space. That's a significant chunk of change. This puts the Panthers about 10 million or so below the cap, according to Spot Track. And they still have some other moves they can make with Jack Thompson, Pat Elfline, and then the last tweet in the thread. He said Panthers can create another $12.7 million by restructuring DJ Moore. So you'd love to see it. It's always why I'm a little hesitant to go all in on some of the money situations surrounding these teams it's especially with the NBA too. It's, it's a little easier with the NBA because all contracts are guaranteed. But the problem is when you get to bird rights, when you get to some of the other options that you have as a general manager, it's always tough to say, well, this team is, you know, they're up against it because they can't handle the money situation. And here is Scott Fitterer. Here's the Carolina Panthers. They are starting to rework some things to where they can actually go out and bring back some free agents. I'm interested and if there are any free agents on the team right now that you expect them to bring back that actually don't, like Deontay Foreman, I expect him to be back on the Panthers team. Yeah, I I thought he was very good, and I always thought I thought he was a little overrated to be honest with you. Like when they signed him to back up Christian McCaffrey, and everybody's like, "Oh, this is great. We can use a two running back system." I was like, "All right, I, I like Deontay Foreman, but we're gassing him up real heavy right now. I was wrong on that." What Deontay Foreman did as soon as he stepped in, awesome runner of the football. I'd welcome that guy back, of course, with the whole contract caveat. Welcome that guy back every single day of the week. Shut me up, man. Awesome stuff from Deontay. So I'd welcome him back for sure as a free agent. Another name a lot of people are throwing out there, it's Bradley Bozeman. And if you discuss Taylor Moten being the first offensive lineman that Carolina invested in in quite some time, now you have the best offensive line that you've really put together since the Super Bowl year. And even then, it's not like they were great. It was just that they were average. They were really strong up front. You had an awesome trio in the middle with Trey Turner, Andrew Norwell, Ryan Khalil, possibly in the Ring of Honor one day, and he was playing center. The tackles were the weakness, but they did enough to hold up, right? Like, we'll always remember Rimmers, turned not great, but held up enough because you had continuity. All those guys stayed healthy. And Michael Orr did enough before the unfortunate concussion history that he would suffer that would eventually force him out of the league. But your offensive line is average, above average right now, to the point where, Fiddy, I think you have to continue to make that a strength. You have to continue to go forward by investing in the offensive line. You don't have to go out and spend big money on a left tackle anymore. Hallelujah. It's been forever. It's been since Jordan Gross where you did not have to invest in the left tackle. Now you just got to take care of everything else. Your bookends are actually the best part of your offensive line right now. Like Austin Corbett is great, but people remember, dude tore his ACL in the last game of the season. It's going to take a long time for him to get back, and it's not something you can bank on with him being healthy immediately starting next season. You want to have some depth upon the offensive line, and you don't want to lose anybody. That's where Bradley Bozeman comes in. Bozeman doing a great job with Baltimore blocking for a primarily run dominant offense. If you still want to lean on running the football, depending on what you do at quarterback. And even if you want to pass the ball more, having a strong offensive line for a rookie QB, it allows you to not only just be a better football team. If you just want to keep it in the simplest of terms, but having a good offensive line helps you evaluate your quarterback. So you don't have to have this situation in Chicago where Okay, we have to use Justin Fields' athleticism so he can escape the big scary men coming up the middle because their offensive line is no good. Invest in the offensive line free up this money to bring back Bradley Bozeman, to have some depth for Austin Corbett, to allow Iki Aquanu to develop as your left tackle and to have Taylor Moton be the grown-up along the group. Just be the guy that is rock solid. That's why it's important to invest in the offensive line and it's why I'm a little excited that they're restructuring some of this money and it looks like Bradley Bozeman is someone that's going to return. What's your philosophy on the offensive line?
1: It's, I mean, look at the two teams that were in the Super Bowl this year. You had Dominant offensive lines that, that that had talent, they had experience, they had depth. And, I mean, look look at the difference that made for Jalen Hurts. That yeah, allowed cheers. him to become the quarterback that we saw go blow for blow with Pat Mahomes in, in the biggest stage. There aren't too many Joe Burrows in the NFL. Only so many quarterbacks can lead the NFL in, in terms of sack rate and percentage and still be a top-five pocket uh, quarterback in, the, in in the league. I don't think no matter who Carolina trots up there at quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold, whether it's a rookie, whoever, I don't think you want to see them on their backside 40, 45 times again next season. And so, I'm with you. I, I think and look when when they signed Taylor Moton, it made sense, but not at the money they paid a right guard. I Man, he, he got he got left tackle money to play right tackle. Right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a very good contract. So now you're starting to restructure
0: it's that. Okay, though. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay. It's, it, right. No, I, I'm with you. It's it's not the best value by any means. He, he's not Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson is a freakazoid over there on the right side. Like, I, I, I get that. A freakazoid. People use that still, right? I've never heard that. <laughs> Look it up. Get your research team on it. We employ a lot of people on the research team. Look up freakazoid. But yes. Taylor Moten, he's just, he's really good. He's not an all pro, Mm -mm. but that dude flirts with pro bowl appearances every single year. And so I'm cool with it. You're right. It's on the high end, but they invested in it. And and you're right about just how much that matters for Jalen Hurts, who was allowed to, um, I mean, start to throw the ball in really tight windows against a Steve Spagnuolo defense and Play extremely well against Kansas City. And you're right about Joe Burrow. You, you don't want those guys to be in harm's way like that. And I go back to the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons back to back NFC South Super Bowl appearances. And one thing that was interesting talking with Ron Rivera down in Spartanburg in 2017, right? So the Panthers made it in 2015. The Falcons made the Super Bowl in 2016. I was talking with Ron Rivera in Spartanburg in 2017. And one of the things we discussed was how much continuity matters on the offensive line. Because Carolina didn't miss any starts, I don't think, in 2015 up front. I think every single one of those guys played. I mean, maybe it's something as crazy as every single snap, but they certainly played almost all of them, right? Same thing happened with Atlanta. Atlanta's offensive line that year, they also had the best continuity among any offensive line in the NFL, and they got to the Super Bowl and eventually blew the 28 to three lead that they had against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And then you go back to this year where they did struggle with some injuries, I think, with Philadelphia. But it's just one of the best offensive lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe ever for a season's performance, right? Like we'll all go back to the Cowboys in the 90s, and everybody will talk about how great they were for a four or five year stretch, whatever. But if you're talking about a single season performance, yeah, Philadelphia, what they did this past season, that's going to help any QB behind him, And that's why I like the idea of even if there is another good center out there on the open market, Bozeman, one, has made himself a part of the community where people love that guy, and they should. I mean, he's awesome on social media. He embraces everybody. And two, to have that continuity that worked out with you, worked out for you for the most part, I think that matters in bringing him back it'll well, be interesting to see
1: i also think the reason why we're so comfortable and confident in going to get a rookie quarterback is because you finally built that position group up to where you could trust a rookie signal caller to come in here and even if he didn't play right away but by week three week four and it not it'd not kill you like 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 when matt rule first got here had they put a rookie behind the center that rookie would be in the hospital more often than not because they 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 couldn't, they couldn't protect him well, now you've addressed that with Icky. You addressed that with bringing in Corbett, Bozeman, as you mentioned. So now if you want to go get C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever that guy is, you feel a lot more confident you're not going to ruin them in their rookie season.
0: It's the best environment for a rookie quarterback Carolina has had in God knows how long. I really I really don't know the other example, Fitty. I mean, it's, it's this year where you figured out your offensive line, you don't have the greatest weapons in the world, but you're not completely void of it. DJ Moore is a legit number one receiver. I'm not going to argue that he's top five or an all pro, but he's a legit number one. And you have that good offensive line and you have what is an excellent coaching staff. I really don't know of a better environment that Carolina has put forth in the last decade for a rookie quarterback to come in and be okay. Whether you are Anthony Richardson to learn and develop, whether you're Bryce Young or Ready to win right now. C.J. Stroud fits that bill, too. I'm excited, and I think all signs point towards Carolina drafting that rookie QB. 704 number, he got mad at me, and he said, Ryan Khalil, quote, possibly in the ring of honor, are you drunk? And then he called me a profanity. He's a slam dunk, LOL.
1: I mean, I I agree with him. I wouldn't have... You slurred you like that, but he's a slam
0: dunk. I'm sorry, Ryan. You know what? I deserve to be called the B word there. I apologize. (laughs) 704 number. Thank you for putting me in my place via the text line. I apologize to Ryan Khalil. I just wanted to cover my tracks, but I do think he is going to be in the ring of honor. I do want to look at some of these text messages that we got in because I let off the segment with the question, what's something you've been getting wrong for most of your life, that only within the last couple of years you realized, wait, I had been getting the saying, the lyrics, whatever, I've been getting that so wrong for most of my life, and Simon Says wrote in, mine was fat chance and slim chance, meaning the same thing. I don't think I knew that either. Me and you in the same boat, Simon Says. Uh, Wendy's nephew has a great one. This one kind of drives me crazy, too. A lot of people will say irregardless, which is not a word. People will say irregardless. It's not a word. If you learn nothing else from this show today, just don't say irregardless ever again. Big Cat Dan wrote in, the ceiling is the roof, LOL. No, that's a great one. We got to keep that a part of the lexicon. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ceiling, I, I might wear a t-shirt with the ceiling is the roof. Most people them. will, 100%. I might go get one as well. Um, and and here's a great one too. 980 number said, it's bald-faced lie, not bold-faced lie. I got told that one too, because I said bold. I had to, it was like an awkward situation. No way. It's actually bald. It's it's bald. As in losing your hair. I'm not going to use this as a joke against you, but you know what it is. <laughs> it is. It is bald faced lie. And I got in a weird situation where I, I, it was stupid. I corrected my girlfriend on that one time and that was so dumb. I not She broke up with you. Yeah, she did. It's really tough. I cry myself to sleep every single night, but then I get happy because Wes Bryan, he'll be joining us on the other side of the break live from the ACC tournament. He'll be joining us to talk a little bit more about the wake forest, Miami second half underway. It's sports radio, 92, seven WFNZ. Starting to get a little, wake forest but they just connected on an alley-oop to make it 55 40 with 12 minutes 30 seconds left to go in the second half miami is on top unfortunately wake forest did not have that buzzer beater count at the end of the first half and so they went into the locker room with a five point deficit that has been extended to 15 as i just mentioned to help us talk more about it we'll go to the bodyworks plus guest hotline and listen to a guy you may have heard from before Wes Bryant, from everybody's favorite show, Wes and Walker, now joins us. Wes, what was your reaction to the shot that eventually did not count but was close to at the end of the first half?
2: Well, you know, I was uh, sitting there, and from my vantage point, it's a little bit hard to see sometimes if people start standing up. So, uh, you know, when the shot hit and everybody went ham, I had to figure out first what happened and who did it. And then once I saw it, uh, you know, I got a little bit excited. But then once I saw that it wasn't going to count, then I was like, well, you know, it is what it is. And, and uh, yeah.
0: Did you do your grunt when you first saw it?
2: I did not. Because, like I said, I didn't know who did it. I didn't know okay. if Miami did it. I didn't know if Wade did it. So, you know what I'm saying? I, I couldn't get the grunt. But let me... Quick aside here. So okay. we had a second encounter with LaVonda Ellis as I prepared for this hit. Wow. Okay. What did he say? Yes, yeah. I told you, you see him all the time. That's why you have to be patient. You know what I'm saying? So I see him and I talked to him and I let him know what was said during the last hit. And, uh, you know, I told him that we would love to have him on the show. Okay. All for dramatic effect. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately. The ESPN powers that be shut down the closer. You remember the show on TNT, Kyra said, "With the closer? I am the closer, but the closer sometimes runs into unforeseen circumstances, and that is uh, ESPN. He told me that they are exclusive as to uh, what radio shows that they could go on. But he said that he would love to come on our show if it were not for that. So okay, I think that was just a. I really didn't want to come on your show anyway, but I'm just gonna, you know, I know that I'm exclusive, so I'm just gonna make you feel like I did. But I got the sense from him that he genuinely would do it, but ESPN rules stipulate him from uh,
0: doing that. Well, well, here's the advice that I have for everybody involved. I say we okay. never mention this again, so nobody catches okay. the wiser. And that we do not necessarily give up the affiliation next time we go for Lafonso. And then we can start to talk about his 2am nights out because that's what I want to talk about. I I want to talk about the 2am nights out when he was in the league because dude was actually a pretty good player. In the NBA? Yeah. Yeah. Average over 20 points with Denver one season. Yeah. So, yes, I think that's what we decide to do. Um, but still, good work. Even if you're not allowed to drink coffee because you didn't close, that's totally fine. We can still move on
2: and find. <laughs> I, I think I made them too. I think I made him feel old, too, when I told him how I used to watch him play for another day when I was a kid.
0: Well, it's time. I mean, he's older now. That's just something he's yeah. going to have to come to grips with. It's Wes Bryant yeah. joining us on the Body Works Plus <laughs> guest hotline. Why is this thing getting away from Wake Forest in the second half, Wes? What have you noticed watching this game?
2: Well, I mean, Tyree Appleby, you look at it, 5 of 15, and 2 of 8 from 3. Wake Forest only shooting around 22%. This is one of the best three 320 three-point shooting teams, when you talk about percentage and makes per game, uh, really in the entire country when you look at Division One, So, you know, they're a little bit hamstrung by that because this is an offense that does not feature a post-presence. They've they to come there. You know, Marsh, he, he's an alley-oop uh, monster, but, you know, that's all he does. You're not throwing it to him to get a bucket uh, tonight. Cam Hill just only giving you seven points. I don't know if the Kevin Durant tweet has, you know, got his head in the <laughs> right. clouds. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if that if that him. But other than that, you're only getting you're only getting nine from Damian Williamson and then you got six from Matthew Marsh, where is uh, you know, Miami. They are uh, you know, I told you they're one of four teams that have four, um one of two teams that have four guys averaging thirteen or better. So they've got Jordan Miller, uh Norchad O'Mear and Isaiah Wong all over double figures at this point and playing an efficient game at that. You know, Jordan Miller, 7-for-12, Isaiah Wong, 6-for-8. He's come out tonight and he's really just played, you know, within himself. You, you wonder sometimes with guys when they get that play of the year tag, are they going to come out and be, you know, have a little bit of stage fright? But he's really played within himself and just playing in a inefficient game. So, you know, it's just a deal of Wake's 1. You combine the fact that Wake's 1 in two, game, two games in two days, going up against the number one team at this point who's had plenty of rest. And I think that's time to show
0: up as well. Well, and we didn't even talk about Duke really yesterday. We were kind of focusing with our fill-in-the-blank segment on teams that were playing in that game. And I guess we talked about Kyle Filipowski a little bit, but they'll be playing their first game of the ACC tournament at 2.30 right after this Mm -hmm. Wake Forest-Miami matchup. They'll be playing against Pittsburgh. I know that was a really tough game for you to choose in your bracket, Wes. So Mm -hmm. in the spirit of fill-in-the-blank, it doesn't have to be one specific word, but just (laughs) what do you think the keys are for Duke to win this game and maybe Pittsburgh to pull off, I guess, the quote-unquote upset as far as the seeding goes?
2: Uh, I think the key for Duke really is just to live up to their billing defensively. We know that this Pitt basketball team has multiple guys. Uh, Whether you talk about Blake Henson – or uh, Jamari Burton, Nellie Cummins, they have multiple guys that can shoot it from beyond the arc. And so I think that's the key for Duke today is that uh, they have one of the best defenses in all of college basketball. Uh, they're second in the ACC in several defensive categories. So I think for them, just defensively, uh, uh, five. my memory is certainly correct, second in three-point percentage defense. And so they're going to need to make sure that that is on in full effect to dig in pittsburgh because they're definitely going to attack from the perimeter. so that's another team you know federico federico the guy that's gonna you know eat off the fast break eat off the offensive rebound but they don't have a guy that's just going to dominate the paint so uh you know they're just going to have to have that three-point defense on point today and i think that would serve them well
0: speaking of pittsburgh and their coaching staff you had a conversation with Josh Fiddy Marlowe's favorite former North Carolina player and Jason Capel <laughs> yesterday. How yeah, did that yeah, conversation yeah. go, speaking with everybody's favorite around these parts?
2: Well, you know, I, I uh, like I said, I caught him at breakfast. Uh, you know, in Pittsburgh, when I went down to work out, Pitt was having breakfast and I peeked my head in. he wasn't there then. But when I came back around about an hour later, more of them had come down. So, looking, I see Jason as he was getting ready to sit down. and So, uh, the first thing I mentioned to him was the uh, Benny the Butcher verse because I told you that he and I uh, discuss rap often. And, uh, you know, so we talked about that. And just a brief, you know, how you doing? And then he told me, you know, that was doing my thing. And then, you know, he was still checking me out. Cause you know, as I said, that he was one of the early guests on my food and sports show, West Westcott mm-hmm. uh, You know, he kind of see me on the come up and, and pays attention to what I have going on. So it was a nice exchange. So,
0: and just to be clear, you did not wear a number 25 Jersey in front of him, right? <laughs>
2: I did not wear okay. a number 25 jersey in front of but I'm excited to see Duke uh, in the next game, and you guys as the uh, best player in uh, in college basketball and pro basketball right now, Kyle Filipowski. Um,
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's going to show Jarkel Jordan. It's a tough, I'm not going to lie, though. It's a tough matchup to to live up to because Jarkel went off for 20-10 and 10 in this past game, even seven rebounds, too. Crazy that he yeah, almost got yeah. a triple-double. All right, I, I want to yeah. tease the people with... More celebrity run-ins that you're going to be giving us on uh, at, I'll say, what, 220. So we'll bring you on in the next hour. I want more celebrity Mm -hmm. run-ins. I want you still working at the ACC tournament to try to see if people will come on the show. And then uh, I guess secondarily we'll get the analysis from you as well. We appreciate it, Wes. Yeah,
2: you know, that doesn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? It's all about (laughs) the nonsense, what I'm eating. Listen, I do want to tell you guys, City would be like... When I tell you the snack bar here for the media, I mean you know the healthy stuff today. I'm going to stick to the fruits and the uh, smart pop popcorn. But when I tell you they have uh, the popcorn that you get at the concession stands, they have it in the bags. The ladies get handed to you. Uh, all the soft drinks you can think of, plus the candy. It's like being at the Circle K, and you can just walk up and grab a full size Kit Kat, oh, M&M, Milky Way, Hershey, Snickers. Whatever it is that you want. I think Fitty would probably, you know, have diabetes by the <laughs> end of the month.
0: He would love it. He, I think Fiddy, come
2: back. Fiddy, don't. he? He's trying to go to Greensboro. I had to stop yeah. him.
0: Fiddy, come back. You have yeah. to run the board, please. All right.
2: I'll tell you what. I will bring him uh, a couple of Snickers balls. I'll bring you guys back from
0: Kansas. All right. That's what helped him. He could hear you over the speaker, and that's you, why he's baby. walking back into the you. studio. Yeah, we do. We do yeah. love Josh Fiddy Marlowe. We also love <laughs> Wes live at the ACC tournament. Thanks, Wes. We'll talk you, uh, to you again soon.
2: Okay, man, we'll
0: we'll be here. I'm, I'm working, baby. No, I know. Wes Bryant, always working. That was his title of his post when he was interviewing R.J. Davis yesterday. Always grinding, always working. Wes Bryant on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Let's go inside the studio now, inside the Planet Kia studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on ES, uh, East Independence or online at planetkianc.com, planetkianc.com. I want a little history with Hoggard segment. We've been trying to get this thing off the ground for a little bit, but I guess Colin is too busy being like, you know, making, keeping the station afloat, you know, like running all of the important stuff that we don't appreciate nearly as much. And so we don't get to talk history with you. But are are you okay to do that for a little bit? Let's do it. Okay. So the Big Four tournaments in full effect right now. Mm-hmm. Now it looks like Wake Forest might be out, so we still have to, we have to talk about it with the 750 left, with Miami up 6148. So let's talk about it while the Big Four tournament is still in effect. Wake Forest, NC State, North Carolina, Duke—they're all still alive for the moment. If you go back to the the Big Four tournament history, ran for like ten years exactly, if I'm not mistaken. Wake Forest actually had the most amount of championships in that thing. Wake Forest won four with a 10 and 12 record overall. Kind of astonishing. to they, they would lose the first game for all the other ones, but they won four championships. NC State had three. North Carolina and Duke, they both have two. Man, I, I feel like this has been... One of the most fun, even now, even with so much more time to go, it feels like this has been one of the more fun ACC tournaments that we've had in a while. It's in Greensboro. You see the out of Mike Bray and then to be outdone by Jim Beheim. Like we're going to be talking about this tournament, I think, for a long time, Colin.
3: It, it's been a fun year. I mean, we've talked a lot about our local teams. I mean, when was the last time they were all this close in the standings? I know nobody's having the season that they've that they'd hoped to this point, but they that's it's the right time of the year for that. Uh, someone to turn their season around. I love the balance. I love feeling like all four of the North Carolina schools, or the three North Carolina schools in Duke, are all capable on of winning a game on any given night.
0: Well, yeah, it it feels. It feels good to have these teams make it well. I mean Wake Forest hadn't won an ACC tournament game since 2017 and now it's crazy <laughs> It's been so long and, and now here they are. it looks like they're going to get dropped by the number one seed in the tournament so be it they're out with Monsanto. I do think that's a pretty big injury that they were able to actually kind of get by in this most uh in this last game against Syracuse but Jim Bayheim I mean Wake Forest ends his career. Jim Bayheim, plays the yo-yo game with media afterwards saying I'm not the person to ask about my retirement, ask the university. People were able to pick up on my, my retirement speech just, uh, just last week. But I mean, at the very, what was it? An hour, an hour and a half. The university decided afterwards to say that he would not be returning. Colin, he got fired in mm-hmm. Greensboro after this loss.
3: That's what go. happened. That's, that's the funniest part about it is, somebody that was not crazy about the evolution of the ACC and adding all these teams. And then for him to annually take digs at Greensboro for it to end here in this way. You know, I don't know that we, we all knew it was the end was close for Bayheim. We didn't know how it was going to play out, but at the end of the day, the fact that it's awkward, isn't that, isn't that quintessential Bayheim at this yeah. point? I think Beheim went out
0: in the most Beheim of ways. He had one mm-hmm. last media exchange it happened in Greensboro. The city is tweeting out "See ya" as soon as he gets <laughs> beat by Wake Forest. Good job, right? Greensboro. I'm. Um, it's. It's on another. It's. It's at the tail end of what was kind of a disappointing season. I mean, Colin, at the beginning of the year, Jim Beheim sat down with me, Willie P, at ACC Media Day, and people were kind of hyped about them. Behan mm-hmm. talked about how this was the best recruiting class he had had. And that was before they brought in Judah Mintz, who was actually pretty good this season. That, yeah, was, he was. that was before they brought Mintz in. And here they are without an NCAA tournament bid.
3: I, I think that's, we, we've again, we focus a lot on this station about how much Carolina's underperformed. 10-10 and 10 in the ACC. There are a lot of Syracuse fans, some of them living here locally. Shout out to WCNC's Nate Morabito. <laughs> that believe this team was a capable tournament team. Yeah. And they should have been in the tournament and instead once again they they floundered. I, I think I think it was the right time for everybody. I think a lot of people were hoping he would leave with his son and just make the graceful exit. Behyman hasn't done anything graceful is an <sighs> entire fifty year career at Syracuse. I mean, he, you're so right.
0: He went out in the most Bayheim of ways on every single angle. It's It's actually, I mean, people are going to be overusing the term poetic, but in every sense of the word, destination, how it happened on a last second shot against Wake Forest, where you don't even win one ACC tournament game, and he hated the ACC anyway. Like, he wanted to go back in the Big East. That's how he's remembered. We're talking about him ending on another disappointing season, and was it last year they didn't reach 500 or two years ago? The first time in like forever for Jim Bayheim.
3: Yeah. What what a what a crash and burn, man. It really is and and it is a shame that I do think he hung on too long. Like I do think it that it has affected the way he will be remembered and in, in his legacy and part of that is because of the transition to the ACC. I think if this is Big East Bayheim going out if he, if he leaves after round 1 of the Big East tournament the reception is very different. So, real quickly before we get you out of here on this one,
0: uh, somebody wrote into the text line. And I don't know if you heard Jay Billis talking about it too, but there was a couple times you would mention Jim Beheim, not only one of the best coaches in college basketball history, but in sports history. Is that too strong? It's pretty strong. It's pretty strong for me too. I, so, I guess all of that can be wrapped into how are you going to view Jim Beheim with all of his accomplishments and all of the problems along the way.
3: He's one of those guys that did it his way, and he'd won a lot doing it that way. I mean, how, how many years was he taking grief for the zone, you know, and yet stuck with it, kept doing mm-hmm. it? And, man, he those teams, when they had that zone going, you, you hated to see it. And it goes back – I mean, I still think of him more as a Big East coach in those big Mondays on ESPN than I do, you know, in the ACC. Yeah, he had some wins, and I'm going to try and take anything away. And he had, the, you know, him and Kay getting after it and stuff like that. There were some fun memories, but ultimately, I think about him going against UConn, going against John Thompson, think going against Villanova. That, to me, is who Jim Bayheim really was. Well, and two,
0: I mean, Jim Bayheim kind of had a little bit of a career resurrection in 12-20, 12-13, getting to the Final Four, I believe as a double-digit seed. They did it in 2015 and 16, they got back to the Final Four. At that time, you're talking about... 37 years, really, you know, 40 years of coaching where he had only reached a couple of final fours and yet only won one championship. Those last two at the finish line to get to the Mm -hmm. final four, like that's going to carry a lot of weight. Imagine if he didn't do that as a double digit seed. he had to go against the odds in order to accomplish some of those last final four appearances.
3: I think it'd be interesting to see what happens to Syracuse basketball going forward. They're going to keep it in house. They, you know, they didn't, they decided not to go with a coaching search. I think people are, are optimistic about that. At the same time, you go, hey, why would you not just look around? Mm-hmm. I, I, Syracuse is not one of those programs that I think is guaranteed a future, and I think that's that's really one of the legacies of Beheim is that for 50 years, Syracuse basketball is absolutely a thing. You certainly think it will continue, but upstate New York, we, we've taught you know, tough to recruit there. How does it play out? How is Syracuse going forward? I think will really it will also impact the way we. We view well,
0: and maybe I'm wrong about this. Just last thing
3: before we move on. But with Syracuse, it kind of reminds
0: me a little bit of Duke in the sense that there was some history before Jim. Not much, but Jim Beheim did play for Dave with Dave Bing, a Syracuse legend. I believe I heard that on the broadcast too. And so you did have some some prominence there before Beheim took over, but not a lot. And I know Duke. I know Fitty talks about how they made the Final Four a few times before Coach K came in and took it to a different level where you were winning championships. But North Carolina, like they've survived a few coaching changes now, right? Like Duke, <laughs>
3: TBD before, on that one. Yeah, right? Well, they, <laughs> you know, they survived one. We, <laughs> <laughs> Frank
0: McGuire to Dean Smith, Dean okay. Smith to Roy Williams. Yeah, but but we'll see about Hubert Davis at this point. But with, with Syracuse, it's not a foregone conclusion that they're just going to take the baton from Beheim and, and hit the ground running. And I think that's what's kind of interesting to see. Okay, are we still going to view them as a prominent basketball power like we had kind of thought about them in this long tenure of Jim Bayheim?
3: Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, you think about it. he does it. We've now lost three yeah, Hall of Famers crazy. in Bang! 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 Rapid succession. It, the 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 face of the the league is changing. The game is changing. Everything around us seems to be changing. We'll have we'll have uh, 96 teams next year. It'll be. In the tournament, <laughs> <laughs> and even four. If you go outside the ACC, and then with Carolina Jay will make it. Yeah, still, but they'll still be first four. Yeah. First four out, according to Lenardi. Into that. Well, and it's weekend. only going to be
0: because of the logo that they're yeah. going to get in. That's right, according to Lenardi. Yeah. It's not going to be because their resume calls for it. No. All right, we're
3: up against the break. Real Colin, quick, thanks quick. so much. Did go you ahead. ask? Did you ask Wes if he has been able to find the old banners at Greensboro Coliseum? No. Because but- let me tell you, when they were showing the Syracuse banner last night, and they were talking about Beheim during the nightcap, I was like, wait a minute. I need the old banners back. I need the team color square. You remember remember the rectangle? Yes, 100%. Yes,
0: absolutely I do. Wes is going to join us one more time. Going to be for the third time. So we have more time to ask him about that. Important stuff. Colin joining us in the Planet Kia Studios. Thanks, Colin. Appreciate it. History with Hoggart. It's a great segment. We need to have a little bit more consistently. Let's go to Fitties' least favorites. All of the coaches in the ACC that he has bad-mouthed for so long, well, now he gets to put them in order. Coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7, WFNZ. You know it's going to be a good day when Fitty dances every single intro song. (laughs) You and March is fantastic. It gets me secondary high. Like contact high based off of the March the March madness that is the drug to you, Fitty. Like I am I am reaping the benefits of that all the way at the other end of the studio as well.
1: So I made a mistake this morning when I was filling in for for Colin on Charlotte Sports Day with Jeff. Came back to a beat, I mean I was losing it. I ain't never danced in front of my boss before. <laughs> and he did not he did not hesitate to clown me on the air. Kind of like, you know, you embrace it. Yeah, I do. I mean, I was getting like the disturbed dad look. Like, <laughs> what the hell is my son doing 12 the, feet away?
0: What are these TikTok dances kids are doing <laughs> these days?
1: And it was just kind of like a generic, like, you know, I was just doing my little
0: arm thing. You do have the arm dance. That's what you roll with.
1: Sometimes You're- I'll be back here doing a little stanky leg, you know. But I, it's not really the stanky leg because I, I mean, it's torn ACL.
0: Can't can't do, can't move like it used to. Well, we can't see because the desk is in front of you. And I'm so short. Well, I mean, I don't know if being tall would really help you as far as the visibility of the stanky leg, but you're basically just voguing and you're dabbing all the time. <laughs> you're bringing in Madonna and Migos, and that's why I appreciate you. I also appreciate you because of the Fitties' Favorite segments, or as we dub it today, Fitties' Least Favorites. It's the first time that we're going to your least favorites, and you have talked so much mess about all of these coaches that you dislike, whether it be in the ACC or beyond. I want you to go down the list. I want you to go down in order of the coaches that you like least first second place third place now we're going to start from the back end here so this is your fifth most hated coach one that i did not expect you to put on here but let's start again fifth most hated coach according to one josh fitty well
1: i'll tell you when i first started putting my list together i had jeff capel listed at number five but that's recency bias like when he was an assistant i only hated him because coach k put him up there to talk like I didn't really hate him at Pittsburgh until really this year. Like even last year, I didn't really more good enough. Didn't really hate him. I, mean, I was more mad at Hubert Davis than I was at him. <laughs> so I did some more thought, spent some time and thought, like Jim Valvana told us to every day. And I just finished the ACC tournament documentary, and there was a, a a section a section where we talked a lot about Gary Williams. And Gary was done right about the time I was really getting into it. But my God! Oh yeah. For four years. Because their fan base used to say he was the real Williams of the ACC and all this other just BS.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Woo, I, I, I hate that Maryland is no longer in this conference. I would trade every Biggie school and my mother to have Maryland back here in the ACC.
0: That escalated.
1: But I do not miss having to watch that whiny SOB coach against my Tar Heels two times a year.
0: A little saving grace because... They did at least win the championship against Duke, even if they relinquished the big old 20 point lead that they had to the Duke Blue Devils. And that was a crazy rivalry. That one between Duke and Maryland.
1: That was a rivalry, right? Like some people say it wasn't a rivalry. And Coach K, everyone's a
0: rivalry. Oh, they're. Yeah. Uh, Maryland. Duke hates Maryland and vice versa. J.J. Redick has talked about this. He talked about it like last month. He was saying, you know, okay, I've got respect for North Carolina, NC State, you know, whatever. But Maryland... F Maryland, yeah. Except he actually said it, and I'm not going to. But he meant every single word of that. So that's a great list um, to start off with, Gary Williams. All right, number four. Also, one I didn't imagine, but number four. Who do you got? Fitted? Really, you did not. You did not see Rick Patino? I just thought you might go ACC. Uh, he was in the ACC. Well, I guess that's true. Yeah, but see, I don't think about him. Yeah,
1: but you're, but you're uh-huh, right. But dude, you're right. There was just something. It's something about the old Big East coaches coming into the ACC. Uh, they just they they automatically just turned me off. Mm-hmm. And again. I loved Rick Fatino at Louisville because he's a hell of a coach. Yeah. Well, then he we even got into this conference, and I knew how all the cheating, scum stuff he was doing behind the scenes, that slick hair and stuff like that. With that being said, Rick, go to St. John's and revive that dying program. But, oh, God, I hated going to the, <laughs> I hated going to the KFC Yum Center. He pulled out the all-white suit, and I like every time we'd yeah. lose –
0: uh, Casey Steve wrote in, Gary Williams cracked me up because he would kneel at the end of the bench and yell at bench players for what the starters were doing, lol. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. plus he would have like almost the Dr. Seuss Whoville nose that would get red at the end when he got real mad. That's what would happen with Gary Williams. Number three, Fitty. who do you got on the list? Number three is Tony
1: Bennett. Tony Bennett's the nicest human being in the world, and I hate everything about him because of it. <laughs> It took every. You know, it was harder shaking his hand at ACC Media Days than John Shire. Well, what about
0: Jim Beheim?
1: I don't think I shook Beheim. I'm saying to be honest yeah, with you. Okay. Maybe I did.
0: And maybe that's a teaser, but go but on.
1: But I, I, I don't remember. 2016 sealed the deal. Yeah. Anthony Gill literally tackled, tackled Bryce Johnson to the floor. I love Anthony Gill, too. They called Johnson for a travel, and they panned to Tony Bennett, who was in the referee's ear. Calmly complaining. Listen here, touch of gray and your sweater vest wearing. You know you you (laughs) coach a level of basketball that should be illegal because you can't coach and play the way the game is supposed to be played. And you've built this program built on fraud. It is all just oh. If that program would ever to just disappear, sink into the ground on the campus that they call the grounds in Charlottesville. <laughs> I would never once complain. I know your sweet, innocent girlfriend went to school there, mm-hmm. but I hate I, I have a, a level of disdain for her because she went to school there.
0: Alright, that's going to be awkward the first time if you meet her, if that ever ah. happens. Jack rode in, a Patino recruiting visit sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. It One sounds like a lot club, of fun. Alright, number two, who comes on the list of your least favorite coaches of all time?
1: Oh, it's got to be Jim Behan because this, this guy is just the worst. I mean, like, if Coach K wasn't Coach K, would Jim Beheim be the most celebrated or the most hated coach nationally in college basketball?
0: Because of Coach Coach K, in these parts, he saved everybody having Jim Beheim as their number one least favorite coach. But like, he's number two on everybody's I list. mean, I could
1: put together a starting five of my... My five least favorite Jim Bayheim moments, that's how bad of a human being this guy
0: is. you know what? I heard Kyle Bailey talking about this yesterday too, and I couldn't agree more with him and the fact that I actually liked a lot of the players. I loved a lot of the players that he would have. some of those teams were really fun, but jim beheim you just he just makes it so hard to like him and number one. Maybe a little bit of a twist here, but who is your number one least favorite coach of all time?
1: I mean, look, it's always gonna be whoever holds the throne at Duke's at Duke's program. So obviously it is Coach K. Part of me died in a in a good way watching us retire him twice last year. Now it's John Shire. And the thing about it for me is like, you know, I know Wes has really tried to just downplay the rivalry's importance of late. That's why I've kind of been a little ill with him uh, on and off the air.
0: (laughs) Mm, Some drama.
1: The thing about Shire is, you know, he played at Duke at the height of my fandom, like right now I was getting into college basketball. So I watched him win a national title after we won a national title. And he was a typical white Duke basketball player, which means you hate his guts. And now he's their head coach, and he's not as whiny as Coach K is. He's
0: a nice guy. He's
1: he a, a he's, he's a nice guy, and he's proven to be a really damn head, good, uh, good head coach. And for that, I
0: hate his ass. Yeah, there you go. And that is the Fitty least favorite list. It made its debut, and I'm sure you're grumpy enough to have some more Fitty least favorite things out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What are we doing next week? All right, that sounds good. We'll do it again next week. We'll also bring Wes Bryant on again in the last hour of the show. We'll get back to some football conversation, talking about some of the NFL free agents out there that might make sense for Carolina. Plus, maybe a little mock draft could sneak up on us. Who knows? It's all on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.